Hello and welcome back to the College Football Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. Uh, I apologize if I sound a little uh, uh, ill. I am. Um, I'm recovering from from a cold. Um, I hope you guys, I, I, I should say I'm sorry uh, that I haven't been able to to release any episodes the, the past few weeks. It's been been bad i mean it's just uh um, life has gotten in the way i hope you guys have enjoyed this past this past season uh, of college football since our regular season is done we still have a few weeks left but the regular season of college football is finished uh we're gonna go over some uh some some games from this past weekend uh notably washington washington state oregon uh uh, uh, oregon state uh a little bit Maybe I'm not sure yet. Uh, uh, Alabama and Georgia, and of course Michigan, Ohio State, which will be the the main point for this uh, episode. Um, there is going to be a big uh, a big announcement at the end of the uh, episode, so stick around to find out what that is. Uh, you guys should should stick around because it'll be pretty interesting. Uh, so I'll talk to you guys again after the uh, after the intro. We'll start with Washington versus Washington State. Well, welcome back to this episode for week 13. Uh, I haven't been here in a while, and I do apologize about that again, like I said earlier in the video, uh, or in the episode, I should say. Um, so let's start with Washington, Washington State. So Washington won this game uh, by three points and a 24 to 21 win over Washington State. Um, Michael Penix uh, led this team, but this was not one of his best games. Um, and, you know, I it just he did not look as good as as, as I had wanted him to as uh, and and he, Washington State really shouldn't have been in this game. They were a five and six team going in. They're five and seven now, but. They just really shouldn't have, have challenged Washington as much as they did, and I'll go into a little bit why, but that is going to be a big point, uh, I think, when the committee looks at Washington. Sorry, I need to... <coughs> My throat is uh, is a little, you know, off. Um, so, uh, Michael Penix's stats for this game were 18 for 33, 204 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, uh, and 53.1 QBR uh, QBR rating, uh, which is uh, – this is all stats from ESPN. Uh, the QB rating is just basically how well a quarterback does on the field. Um, Dylan Johnson had 21 carries, uh, 82 yards, and one touchdown with a 3.9-yard average for Washington. Uh, Roma Dunze who I'm going to talk about in a little bit after we get through some of these stats. Um, but this game, he he did really well. He, he was targeted a few times where he just didn't catch the ball or it wasn't accurately thrown to him. But, you know, he did really good with the, with the receptions he did get. He had seven receptions for 120 yards, uh, 17.1 uh, average, and, a two, and two touchdowns. Um, and on d- the defensive side of the ball, um, Washington had two interceptions with Thaddeus Dixon and Mikel Esteen. Uh, on Washington State side, Cameron Ward played a far better game than Michael Penix. Uh, he had 32 completions for 48 attempts, 
317 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 62.2 QBR. Uh, Josh Kelly the, is the leading receiver for uh, Washington State in this game, and he had eight receptions, 106 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, and then team rushing stats were 27 carries for 64 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, they did not do well running the ball this this uh, this week. Uh, Washington State, I mean, um, they just they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, and speaking against uh, against a defensive line that is fairly talented, but speaking of that defensive line for Washington. I have concerns about that defensive line, especially if they're going to be going into a playoff game because this is not a defensive line that is any sort of star-studded defensive line. They only have 19 sacks as a team uh, going going into the conference championship game. I mean, this is a defensive line that is not by any means one of the best in the country. I mean... I even you know Michigan's defensive line is a great defensive line and it has has 28 ta- 28 sacks this year um with uh, as contrasting to Washington's 19 I mean like just it makes you question how well they can get after the quarterback no player has more than 3.5 sacks uh, and some of you may ask how can you get half a sack you you sack them with somebody else basically so um next up we're going to talk a little bit about Roma Dunze. <coughs> I apologize, let me get a little little water for the throat. Um Roma Dunze, like I said, had 7 receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Um on the season so far, he is one of the best receivers in college football, but he's particularly a big deep threat quarterback. Or not quarterback, sorry, deep threat receiver, um, and you can tell by his stats. Roma Dunze has seventy three receptions for thirteen hundred and twenty six yards. He has thirteen touchdowns, and his average yard per reception uh, is eighteen point two. So that tells me that he's getting the ball stretched to him a lot, going north and south on the field, rather than going like five yards up the field and running an out route, basically. Um, And when he does do that, the stats are also saying that he's also getting a lot of yard, a good amount of yards after the catch. So he's one of the better receivers. He's not now he's at the very most the second best receiver in college football behind Marvin Harrison jr. Who is just leagues above everybody else, and we'll talk about him later on in the episode when we get to Michigan Ohio State. Um, but he, you know, he's going to be a good player. Uh, he, he actually, sorry, he is a good player. I think he still has some eligibility left, so it'll be interesting to see what Washington can do with him once Michael Penix leaves. Uh, given that I think he's probably going to leave for the NFL at the end of this season, so. Uh, let's move on to Alabama, who played a really close game with Auburn. Um, they, they, it came down to a a last minute touchdown, um, and it was it was closer than it probably should have been. So, um, that's uh, that's a bit of a, a of a of a bad thing for Alabama if they want to talk about playoffs. Uh, but it's a good thing for Auburn, g- given that they were not exactly uh, the number one team in the country. They were far from it. 
Um, but it's also a good thing for Hugh Freeze. It shows that Auburn is improving a year, a year uh, after a year of him being the head coach. So, <coughs> all right, uh, Jalen Milrow went sixteen for twenty-four. He had two hundred and fifty-nine yards, two touchdowns, and eighty-nine point five QBR. He also carried the ball eighteen times and went for hundred and seven yards. Uh, Jermaine Burton. Uh, was the leading receiver for um, Alabama. Uh, he had 107 yards uh, and uh, uh, one touchdown with a 26.8-yard average. With, um, he had four receptions. Uh, and then Tarion Arnold, uh, ha- uh, who was their best defensive player this, uh, this week, had two interceptions, uh, three total tackles, and two solo tackles. So... Um, pretty uh, apart from those two interceptions, it was a pretty standard defensive game for him. But uh, those two interceptions definitely played a big role. Now Peyton Thorne, who transferred to Auburn from Ohio State um, at the uh, the beginning of the season, uh, went five for sixteen for ninety one yards and one touchdown with two interceptions. Obviously, those two going to Terrian Arnold. Um. <clears throat> Jarquez Hunter uh, had 14 carries for 93 yards. That's a 6.6-yard average. Um, Darari Alston had 10 carries for 85 yards and an 8.5-yard average and one touchdown. Uh, And then the team, uh, the entire team itself had 42 carries for 244 yards for 5.8 yards per carry and two touchdowns. And I don't talk about the receivers because there wasn't anybody that really that really had anything of note uh, to contribute to that game. I mean, it really wasn't a good game for their passing attack. <clears throat> and that's what it's kind of been most of the season. Most of the season, it's been a, a lack of a passing attack and, uh, and, and a, a ground and pound type of game. But, you know... I saw I saw this Auburn team put some pressure on on Milrow, and it was and, and I'm gonna talk about the uh, the last play that Milrow Milrow had for that game and <clears throat> just his his absolute genius <laughs> I shouldn't say genius just the absolute luck he had he had on that on that play where you know Auburn drops their entire their entire defense. Uh, Milrow's somewhere around like the 30-yard line, 35, something like that, um, maybe a little closer. And he throws it and in the end zone, and the receiver catches it, and, man, it would just – it looked great. That's all I can say. It was, it was a great throw. It was a great catch. I don't think Milrow is Alabama's most talented quarterback in the past few years by far. But he definitely he definitely proved why he was at Alabama in in that in that final uh, final throw of the game. I didn't have much hope for Alabama at that point. I thought they were done. I really did. I was like, ah, oh, Alabama's you know Alabama's out, but I'll keep watching for the end of the game and said in case something insane happens and something insane did happen. So um, I'm glad I did keep on watching that. So uh, Georgia and Georgia Tech uh, had a game. <clears throat> Georgia Tech should not have been in this game by any stretch of the imagination. Georgia was a far more talented team than Georgia Tech, um, far more physical, but 
Georgia really really gave up yards to Georgia Tech. I mean, it was not it was not a good thing. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I don't I don't really feel like it. And I I, I want to get to I want to get to Ohio State and Michigan. That's the game I'm going to talk about the most, and then I'll talk about the the polls. But uh, I mean, it was. It was a game that Georgia had more explosive plays that let them win, but Georgia Tech did nickel and dime it a little bit, uh, getting five yards here, 10 yards there every, every so often. But, you know, they also had a few big plays that they that they really relied on, too. But, I mean, it was a, it was a fairly close game. I mean, when you're talking about a 31 to 23 win, that's a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie it up. So... You know, Georgia Georgia should have been far more in control of this game than I than than they were. Um, I think this game proves a little of what I said earlier in the season that this is not as talented a Georgia team as we have had in past years. Uh, not that it's a bad Georgia team, just not as talented. <clears throat> now, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon dominated this game pretty clearly, uh, thirty-one to seven. Uh, Bo Nix had 367 yards, 33 for 40, um, two touchdowns, and 97.9 QBR. Um, uh, uh, Tez Johnson um, had 11 receptions for 137 yards, 12.5 yard average. Um, Troy Franklin had nine receptions for 128 yards, and a 14.2-yard uh, average with one touchdown. The big thing for Oregon was they were 2-for-2 two two on fourth downs, which is always going to be big for, for any game. You know, if you can convert on fourth downs, then you can, at the very least, try and control a game uh, and extend play and extend drives and things like that. So, <clears throat> for Oregon State, DJ Ugolele, who... As as you guys know, if you've if you've paid attention to to my um, podcast, I do not believe that DJ Ugolele is all all that people crack him up to be. Um, I do not think that he is. You know, I, I think he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's anything really special. Now he could go to the NFL and perform really well, and and I hope he does. But I just I don't see that in his college career. Uh, I didn't see it um, when he was uh, when he was you know at, at any of the places that he's been. Uh, I think he was, God, I can't. Oh, sorry, he was at Clemson. My bad. Uh, I didn't see it when he was at Clemson. I don't see it at Oregon State. So you know, it's how things roll. Um, the team rushed. Uh, the team rushed for fifty three yards. So that also did not help against uh, Oregon. So that's it for those. For those games, that's all I really want to talk about with those. Now on to the biggest game of the year, uh, the biggest game of the week, um, and probably going to be the biggest game of the season, uh, with the exception of maybe the conference or with maybe uh, the uh, uh, college football championship game. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, this was number two versus number one. And. Uh, and they really, they really proved. Uh, Michigan really proved themselves. They, <clears throat> people were saying, you know, Michigan only won the past two years because of 
sign stealing and things like that. And Michigan came out and said, no, we covered the spread, which was 4.4, uh, 4.5 uh, points. Actually, it was either 4.5 or 4, depending on where you looked. Some places said 4, some places said 5. Um, but, you know, they, they, they really did prove that they are the best team in the conference. Um, <clears throat> this, was a, this was a closer game for two reasons. Um, one, Ohio State was able to limit the explosive plays that Michigan had. Uh, and two, Ohio State's defense was better than they have been for a while. Uh, and I credit that to Ohio State the past 15 years got complacent. After they had been after they won for a while, they got complacent. Um, especially in the last, you know, before a few years before Michigan started winning, they were really complacent. They went into they went into Ann Arbor expecting a win. Uh, they went into Columbus expecting a win. Whenever they would play Michigan, whether it was in, in Ann Arbor or in in Columbus, um, and the past three years have proven that Michigan is finally back, uh, and this is going to make the entire Michigan Ohio State rivalry matter on a national scale again because if if you guys are pushing each other to be better than the other. You're going to recruit better. You're going to play better games. You're going to be closer. And, you know, if you can, if you can have that kind of struggle for the top team every year, it's going to be a good game. Um, this is, this could be the last game where it truly matters, where, um, you know, the team that loses completely loses out on a cha chance for the national championship. Um, it's also the, the last game where there is a season uh without the without UCLA, USC, Washington and Oregon in the Big 10. So that's also kind of what's uh what what's going on. So let's go through some of the stats from the game. Uh JJ McCarthy had 16 uh for 20 was 16 for 20 for 80% uh, uh completion percentage. He had 148 yards. Um 7.4 average and one one uh, throwing touchdown. He had a 94.5 QBR. Blake Corum had 22 carries for 88 yards, four-yard average, and two touchdowns. Uh, Edwards had 10 carries for 31 yards with a 3.1-yard average. Uh, Lachland uh, showed up in this game and showed up in a big in a big way because he had five receptions for 85 uh, 83 yards. Sorry. And uh, 17 point, or sorry, my bad, 88 yards. Uh, I, I cannot read my handwriting right now. Uh, 88 yards for 17.6 yard average. Uh, Johnson and Moore had an interception. Uh, Will Johnson and Rod Moore had an interception each. Um, on Ohio State side, uh, Kyle McCord went 18 for 33, 271 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions an 89.4 QBR rating. Uh, Henderson had 19 carries for 60 yards, 33.2 uh, yard average, and one touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr. had a really good game, uh, five receptions for 118 yards uh, and one touchdown with a 23.6 yard average. 
Um, so a couple of things to note is that um, Rod Moore, Quinton Johnson, uh, uh, Jalen Harrell, and um, oh, who is the who is the third player or a fourth player? There was another, and there there was another player who who they were all four or three stars coming out of high school and being recruited and um the names I I'll, I'll just stick with the names that are mentioned Rod Moore, Qu- uh, Jalen Harrell, Quentin Johnson. They all had huge games against uh, against uh, Ohio State. Uh and they all had big hits, big moments. Uh Will Johnson obviously um or sorry, uh, Quentin Johnson uh broke up a a deep pass that McCord threw. Um, that and and laid a big hit on one of the wide receivers that forced him to drop the ball. Uh, Jalen Harrell was in in Kyle McCord's face for uh, quite a bit of the game, and Rod Moore had the game closing interception. Uh, and and the reason I mention this is because you are putting up guys who are coming out of high school as three stars against wide receivers and O line and running backs who are all five star players. They're all trouted out and 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 basically, you know, like a show pony pushed out saying, look at how many five-star players we have. Well, they prove that stars don't entirely matter. They don't tell the full story. Um, and and they and Michigan, and they also prove that Michigan is very good at developing their players. Like you they Michigan turns three stars into five stars and, and and things like that. And these are all guys who are going to get drafted at some point. Uh, if it's not next year, it's going to be the year after. They're all very good players. Uh, very talented, very good uh, players who are all going to make an impact on whatever football team they're on in the future. Um, but like I said, the stars don't matter, you know, you had you had you know the the great receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. and you still couldn't pull, pull off a win, and, and it's not because you had a lack of talent. I, I can tell you that. This was this was uh, Ohio State's best team in three years, um, maybe not their best offense, but by far their best defense. Um, so it, it is a it is a. Uh, <laughs> It is a it is a a completely it is it is a completely uh, game changing thing because, like I said, everybody was saying Michigan only won because they had they had signs. Well, no, they didn't. They've proved that this year. They've won because they've been the better team for the past three years. Um, I want to talk about. Will Johnson's first, uh, Will Johnson's interception, the first interception of the game. The play starts in a pretty standard spread formation uh, with with uh, McCord back in the shotgun, and McCord snaps the ball, and Marvin Harrison and Will Johnson is on Marvin Harrison Jr. and Marvin Harrison Jr. runs. Either a in route or or a slant. I think it's more of a slant, but you could also call it an in route. It's so it's kind of hard to to see, but I, I thought it was more of a slant. And Will Johnson is just playing Kyle McCord like a fiddle. I mean, he read his eyes so well that 
Johnson just steps up, catches the catches the ball like he was the receiver. He was the, like he was the intended target. He intercepts the ball and he takes it back to like the the um the Ohio State like 12 or something like that. I, I can't remember entirely, but it was it was something like that. And it was it was a big moment because it led to Michigan's first touchdown and it gave them really short yardage. Um and it was just a great job of Will Johnson recognizing the pass, recognizing that there was somebody coming off the edge, that the that the the linebacker moved inside and he recognized that when Kyle McCord saw the linebacker moving in, uh that he was going to throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. And just, it was just not, it, there was just, it was just great. That's all you can really say about it. Um, and speaking of greatness, Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a great player. I mean, he's just, he just is. As a Michigan fan, I can't deny it. He is a great receiver, and he is probably going to be the number two pick in, in this year's NFL draft. Um, I have, I have no, I've, I've very little doubt about it, um, because of just how good of a player he is. Um, this is a great Michigan secondary and he put 108, 100 and, uh, some yards on them. He put a hundred and 118 yards on them. I was right. Sorry. I was just checking to make sure I was, I got that number right. He put 118 yards on them. You don't put 118 yards on a great secondary when when you're a, a, a mediocre wide receiver, that just doesn't happen. So I I see that he's going to to uh, to probably um, to have a great career in in the pros. Uh, Kyle McCord is Ohio State's quarterback of the future, which I if I was a Ohio State fan, I would be questioning Kyle McCord's decision making as well as his accuracy. There were many throws in this game where Kyle McCord would just threw an inaccurate ball. It was just it was just inaccurately thrown. Um, take away the last play that Kyle McCord throws the ball where he gets hit and throws an interception on an underthrown ball. I take that away because he he was getting hit, but there were other moments where guys were going out into the flat or were were going uh, on on you know post routes and things like that. And he just completely missed them. He either threw it behind them or threw it just elsewhere. That just wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't at them. Um, so if I were, if I were an Ohio state fan, I would be, I would be asking questions about that. Uh, people also say like, Oh, is, is, is Ryan day's job done? Cause he hasn't won against Michigan in three years. And I, I don't want to say his job is done because he is Michigan is his only loss in the regular season. There is not another loss that he has had in the regular season. Um, uh, actually, there might be one other. Uh, there's one other loss in the regular season. No, I'm wrong. Actually, my bad. He doesn't have another loss besides Michigan in the regular season. So for the past three years, it's all just been him and Michigan. Him losing to Michigan. And I get, you know, Ohio State coaches, you're you're judged by how well you do against Michigan, but you can't you can't be like, 
this guy doesn't deserve to have his job because he's, you know, however many wins and three losses in the past, you know, three regular seasons. Like, that's just, it can't be how it works. Um, another thing, fourth downs were absolutely crucial in this game. Michigan got to extend drives because they were 100% on their fourth down conversions. They went three for three on fourth downs. Ohio State just could not stop them. There was a play where it was like fourth and one, and everybody and their mom in the stadium knew that Ohio State was, or that Michigan was going to run this ball up the middle with Blake Corum, just like they had the past, you know, however many times on that drive. And there they are on the shotgun. They have, you know, everybody else on the line. And they sap the ball, and they give it to Corum. But oh wait, McCarthy pulls it back. He drops, and he he just releases it. He he throws it to to the tight end who's on a who's on a flat, um, and is just or yeah on a flat, uh, in, on the outside of the uh, uh, uh of the formation, uh, and he throws it to Colston Loveland who goes for a few who goes for like five six yards, uh, and the first down. That was a great, that was a great play. That was just, I mean, it was just, everybody knew Michigan was going to run because that's what they are. And they surprised every, and Sharon Moore surprised everybody by not running the football. And we'll talk a little more about Sharon Moore after this, but um, in, in the in the latter part. Uh, there was also a second throw by J.J. McCarthy, who just threw a perfect pass to Roman Wilson. Now, some people want to argue, and most of these people are Michigan or Ohio State fans, that it was an interception because the defender, the 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 safety pulled the ball out uh, and had possession of it. The problem with that take is if you look back and you you watch the game back. Roman Wilson has the ball. He takes about three steps. On his third step, he's in the end zone at that point. Like, his, his the ball has crossed the plane, and he still has control of the ball. Then he falls into the end zone with the receiver, and the receiver runs, uh, rips the ball away. You cannot rip the ball away on the ground of the end zone. It just doesn't work like that. The rule clearly states in college football, if a offensive player and a defensive player have the receive the ball at the same time, or there is a or they 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 have the ball at the same time by the time the play is dead, then the offensive player uh, gets the ball. That's the rule. It's like baseball. It's like if the ball and the runner gets the base at the same time, the 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 play goes to the runner. It's the exact same thing. If the, if the defensive player and the offensive player get the ball at the same time, the ball goes to the offensive player. Uh, that's just how it is. And you can't say that after he's ripped the ball away in the end zone that it's going to be an interception. That's just not how it works. The moment the ball crosses the plane of the, of the, of the, the end zone, it's a touchdown. And this ball was so perfectly threaded between two Ohio State secondary players that I'm just like, there's an unreal amount of accuracy in that throw. Now, 
J.J. McCarthy did say something about this uh, a, a little bit later. <clears throat> Let me get a drink of water. He did say something about this, actually. Uh, and what he said was that he had been watching film on the defense, on the, the Ohio State defense, obviously. And it was number 23, and unfortunately, I'm sorry, I can't remember 23's, 23's name. Uh, but he said, every time 23 turned away from the quarterback, he wasn't looking back. So McCarthy decided, okay, then I'm going to like ring his ear with the ball. Like It was that close where I thought, I was like, you can probably hear the ball whizzing by your face as it as it goes by goes past you. I mean, that's how close it was. It was just it was maybe the most perfectly thrown ball I have seen all year. And that includes that includes Milrose touchdown touchdown throw. Like that includes that touchdown throw. It was just so perfectly placed. Um and it was it was unbelievable. So, all right. Let's move on. Uh, there was also a play where Kyle Stover, or K, sorry, Cade Stover, um, went on a a uh, a route that uh, went on a a go route through the seam of the defense, uh, or sorry, a seam route. My bad. Uh, he went on a seam route and he went in between in, into the seams of the defense and he received the ball for like a twenty yard gain and it, he just uh, the guy who was covering him was was Rolder. Um, and I, I can't remember his first name, but he just beat the guy. Like as a tight end, it's 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 hard to find a tight end that's a great receiver. And Kyle Cade, sorry, Cade Stover is a great receiving tight end. He just beat the linebacker. Like he just beat it so bad. Um, the linebacker was like three steps behind him, and by the time he caught the ball, you know, it was just taking a few steps before Rover was able to catch up to him. Uh, that the missed field goal at half, uh, for Ohio state, uh, I think played a huge role in the outcome of this game. Uh, they did not, they were not able to go to the, to the, uh, halftime with, <clears throat> they were not able to go to half with any sort of momentum. They had just missed a field goal. So that is a big, that is a big, uh, uh, that was a big issue for Ohio state and Michigan has not gone into a halftime. Uh, this season uh, being uh, 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 going being down uh, at all. So that is another stat that that kind of amazed me was that Michigan did not trail at at, at, at any point uh, at halftime during this season, uh, which is which is always which is always pretty amazing. Um, I also wanted to address that Michigan was playing with a slight handicap. They did not have their head coach. And in my opinion, the head coach, especially one as good as Harbaugh, at least accounts for a touchdown, at least one. Uh, and I think it could, I think it could, I could, I could even argue that it could be account for up two touchdowns uh, just with play call and things like that. But I am so happy with Sharon Moore. He should win the Broyles award for the best uh, assistant uh, coach, and he just he coached his butt off uh, for four games this season. Uh, he coached four games as the head coach, and it was it was quite an amazing uh, it was quite an amazing run for him. If Harbaugh does go to the NFL, I have no doubt that Sharon Moore is the next head coach for Michigan. None, none at all. 
he already has a winning record against Ohio State. So that's not a that's not a uh, that's not a a a thing that you can say for a lot of uh, a lot of uh, coaches at Michigan. So um, and then the last thing I also want to mention is I was at this game, uh, and when when Zach Zinter got hurt. <clears throat> Uh, it was, I think it was the fourth quarter. It might have been the third, but it might have been. It was. It might have been third or fourth quarter. I can't, can't remember. But uh, Zach Zinter gets hurt, and I've been going to Michigan games since I was three and a half years old, maybe a little, maybe a little younger, maybe three years old. I've been going to games for as long as I can remember. And never have I ever seen the amount of love poured out for a player as I did for Zach Center on this, this Michigan-Ohio State game. And when he got injured, I didn't notice right away. Uh, from my, I, just, I was paying attention to what was going on with A.J. Barner. But as A.J. Barner got up, he... He free, he started freaking out. I mean, like he was he was like holding his hand his head his hands on his head and things like that. And I was and I started looking over and I looked over and I saw a player on the ground. And at first I thought it was uh, it was Ladarius Henderson um, until I was until until I was informed correctly that it was uh, Zach Zinter. And I thought one I hope this guy is not too badly hurt, but everybody and their mother in the stadium knew that he was that he was that he was hurt pretty bad and you know it could be it was season it was going to be season ending and it could even be career ending which luckily it it wasn't it it isn't <clears throat> hopefully at least but we knew that this guy was the heart of the team and and you know from the things that I had seen and the, the things that I had heard about him, he was, you know, what every player on every team wants to be, which is the beating, like, like I said, the beating heart of the team. Um, and I was like, this, this could be it. This could be where Michigan falls apart, where Michigan just all of the fight is brought out of them. And during the break, you heard there was a a chance started going. You heard, let's go, Zach. And it was was one of the greatest things I've ever seen at at a Michigan football game and at, at any football game. I it was the it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. It was the biggest outpouring for love and support that I'd ever seen at a football game. I never heard an individual's name be cheered like that ever before. And his mom was there and his girlfriend and and it was it was a you know an emotional thing for them but I think hearing the support that they that their son and their their boyfriend and was receiving was helped them kind of feel like, okay, you know, these people truly care and things like that. And, you know, 
Zach eventually gets carted off and he gives a thumbs up, which I, I was so glad to see. Uh, and on the very next play, on the very next play, Corum breaks for a 20 plus yard touchdown and then flashes a 65, which is Zach Zinter's number. And I knew from that moment on, I knew Michigan's not going to lose this game. They're not going to let themselves lose this game. I, I, I knew from that moment, I was like, this, uh, I, I was like, my worry that they were going to fall apart uh, because of this was unnecessary and, un and unfounded. Um, and it was a it was a great thing to see just this this outpouring and this 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 amount of support for a player that that isn't a, that isn't like you know scoring touchdowns. He's an offensive lineman. Usually, most players don't know who the offensive linemen are, or most most fans don't know who the offensive linemen are. Like. They are the unsung heroes of college football, and most fans don't even know their names. And and everybody and 110,000 people, minus however many Ohio State fans were there, although maybe some of them were cheering. I don't know. Um, we're screaming, "Let's go, Zach!" And it was it was a great it was it was a great uh, thing to see, and I I, I can't wait uh, to 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 hear what Zach Zinter thought about it. Uh, I'm sure he's going to to talk about it at some point, um, because you know it it is it is something. Uh, he eventually did uh, release like a, a a thing on Instagram that said that you know it wasn't it's not it's that it's it looks like he's going it looks like he's going to be all right and he's going to make a full recovery. Which you know uh, this podcast has their hearts out to Zach. Uh, and hope he does make a full recovery because he has the NFL draft to get ready for, and he is going to make one NFL team very happy for a very long time. So with all of that, uh, let's... Actually, I also want to talk about as well, uh, after the game, while while we were there, or, or not after the game, but after, after the game ended, um... The fans rushed the field, and I can say with happiness that I was one of those fans that rushed the field. Uh, me and my family all rushed, mostly rushed the field, and uh, it was awesome to just stand on that field with everybody else that was so happy to be there. I got to stand on the Michigan M. It was phenomenal. I got to be on TV a little bit because the camera was passing over us. Um, and I was able to wave at the camera and, you know, maybe if I go back and watch, I can find myself. I'm not sure, but it really was, uh, it really was a great, uh, great feeling at the end of that game. But like I said, I'd never seen anything like the support for Zach Zinter ever before. Um, and it was, it was unbelievable and it really shows the heart of this game and it shows the heart of this team that without, Zach, they were able to to get the job done and actually score that that final touchdown, which was amazing. So I'm really glad. I'm really glad we, they were able to do it. So let's get into the uh, college football playoff rankings. <coughs> or college football playoff rankings. Sorry, and uh, and then we'll get into uh, and then I'll I'll tell my uh, tell my big announcements and then uh, I'll end the video here because. My throat isn't holding up as well as I would would have liked it to, but uh, 
you know, I'm going to try and make it past. Uh, I'm going to try and make it to, to the end. So, um, the college football playoff rankings came out last night and caused a bunch of controversy. Um, and I'll explain why as we go through them. I'm only going to go through the top 10 because truthfully, that's all that really matters. Nothing else, not, not a whole lot of these rankings outside of the top 10 really matter. So we'll talk about uh, the rest of it later on. But um, Georgia was number, or actually I'm going to go by by 10, because but we all know that Georgia was number one. But at 10 was Penn State. Uh, they went up one place from 11 to 10th. Uh, number nine was Missouri. Um, they stayed at nine. Alabama stayed at number eight. Texas stayed at number seven. Ohio State dropped four places after their loss to Michigan, and they went to number six. Um, Oregon went up one place and went to number five. Uh, Florida State also went up one place and went to number four. Washington went to number three, and Michigan went to number two. Georgia obviously staying at first. And the biggest reason this is causing controversy is because people are arguing that, one, Alabama and Texas are better teams than Ohio State, which I don't entirely believe. Um, Alabama obviously has their loss to Texas. Texas has their loss to Oklahoma. um, And Ohio State has their loss to Michigan. So of of the arguably, you know, three teams that could be in that number six spot. I think Ohio state is probably best at where they are. Um, but the, the other point of controversy is that Oregon should be in over Florida state. Um, because Florida state lost Jordan Travis who got injured. Um, and while I understand your, what they're saying that, you know, we want the four best teams. This committee has been ranking Florida State in four for a while now. So I'm a little surprised um, that, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that people would argue. I'm, I shouldn't say I'm not surprised that people would argue Georgia, Oregon over, over Florida State. I'm not. But Oregon still has a loss that Florida State doesn't have. I get it. Florida State hasn't played a great schedule Neither has Michigan, but they still probably deserve to be at that number four, in my opinion. But I'm not going to say that there is no argument that Oregon should be at number four. Now, I I, now if Florida State loses uh, in their in their game against um, in their game against uh, I think it's Louisville um, uh, in the ACC championship, then of course. Florida State's going to be out and Oregon's going to be in. Um, but barring anything like that from happening, it's it's not going to be, uh, you know, all that big of a deal. But as I said, so as of right now, the top four teams that are going to playoffs are Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State. Now, everybody wants – now, the, t- the top two – the top – the number one team wants Florida State in because they want to play Florida State who I don't want to say is the cupcake, but they are the the least difficult team to probably play in that in that uh, in that point. Um, if you put in Oregon, 
the game's going to get significantly harder. Um, and, and, and I would, I would agree with that. So, uh, like I said earlier, I do still think Florida state should go in. Um, but I can also understand an argument for Oregon. So with that out of the way, let's get on to the, the big news that I have, the, the big, uh, the, the one big piece uh, of announcement, and that is going to be that my first live stream uh, ever hosted on this podcast, uh, or at least on this channel, uh, is going to be on Saturday. Um, I'm going to be starting the uh, I'm going to be starting the live stream at 9:30, um, and then I'm going to be ending it right before the games play, um, and I'm going to go over championship games i'm gonna go over stuff like i have coaching uh carousel all of those things that you can think of i'll be going over um so i will be there be there if you want to watch it i'd love to have you there if you don't want to watch it you can always watch the um you can always watch it later on uh because it will be uploaded to youtube as a video but like I said, it's going to be a live stream at 9.30 on Saturday. It's 9.30 Eastern time, so that's where I am. It's the Eastern time zone, so it'll be 9.30 here. Uh, it might be like 8.30 other places uh, or even earlier, but uh, you know, I hope you guys do come out and watch for it. That is my big announcement. Uh, hopefully by then my cold has cleared up and I can, I can go through an entire episode without my throat feeling like the Sahara Desert. Um, but if not, I'll still, I'll still be doing it, um, for an hour and a half, which I usually don't make, uh, super long episodes. I usually stay around 45 minutes, um, sometimes even going down to 30, but we will be there. So I will be talking, uh, for most of that time. I may take one intermission, maybe two, uh, to like go to the bathroom and things like that, but it is going to be, it is going to be the first live stream of the college football fanatics podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this video. Um, I I was I had a I had a great time going to the Michigan game to watch it, and then uh, I also had some fun watching these these games over to to talk about them a little more. Um, and I hope you guys uh, I hope you guys really appreciate the work that I go through with this. Um, and I do promise to to get better at uh, going through. Uh, um, at, at making more episodes and things like that. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Please, uh, please let me know down in the comments below what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of. Um, please leave a like uh, as well and subscribe. Um, you can find me on Instagram at CF underscore fanatics underscore official. You can also find this podcast on uh, Spotify uh, at college football fanatics um, as well. So it shouldn't be uh, too difficult to find it there. Uh, and I will, uh, I like I said, I hope you guys enjoy this and I will see you guys in the next episode.